Thank you, Lord. Well, I got lots of notes. That's good, and that's not good. No, it's good. God is good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's a good God. Amen? We need to be conditioned that he's a good God. Amen? We have been so conditioned the other way that, you know, sometimes he will and sometimes he won't. And, you know, God and the devil are a tag team and God wants to get you. And he's this angry man, you know, that yells at kids when they walk across his lawn. You know, religion paints such a, a poor picture of who our God really is. Do you know it's blasphemous what we just did to go into some churches and just recite over and over that God is good? How do we know that he's good? Because I, I've tested the product. I've tasted of the product, and the product has always been Good. He's always been good to me, even when I was at my worst. Uh, as I said last week, I'll be coming up on 30 years of being born again, 30 years in February in the kingdom of God. And I really only had a small window of my life where I was really running as far from God as I possibly could, but I jammed as much darkness in it as I possibly could. And even in the darkness, even in the despair, even when I was as in the natural, as far away from God as I could ever imagine, he was still good. And he was still always extending his hand towards me and protecting me and guiding me and helping me. Now, I still, I still suffered from all the effects of my own choices. He couldn't stop. He couldn't help me with that. But what he did do is that he gave me grace. And that I could call out to him. And at my very, very worst, when I had absolute bottom, when I had nowhere else to go, I cried out to Jesus. And guess what? Amen. I got saved. Amen? Amen. I love amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. Now I'm found. Was blind. But now I see. Amen. Isn't that all of us? Amen. He's a good God. He's a good God. Now, does everything that happened in my life, is it good? No. But at least I know when those things are happening, he's still good in the midst of it. He's still guiding me and helping me as I am walking through these things. I want to continue this morning talking about us being conditioned in the word. And really, I want to continue talking about revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge, which is what we talked about last week. Now, I'm going to ask you a question this is not condemning in any way, shape, or form. I'm just curious. How many of you go back and re-listen to the sermons from Sunday? Amen. Can I just encourage you that if you are really hungry for revelation, that you make that a part of your Bible study also, is going back and re-listen to what's being taught? There's, you know how sometimes we, we hear something, but we don't hear it? You know, there might have been that moment in the service. I know it never happens to anyone in here where maybe your attention went somewhere else for a moment. Maybe you thought about Christmas or lunch or an old buddy from the army that you hadn't thought about in 30 years. You know, sometimes our minds just begin to wander sometimes. 
But I just want to encourage you as a part of, not to take the place of you spending time in the Word, which is where we get revelation, but to add to you just to make sure that you know what you're being taught. Listen to me. I'm the first one to tell you I am not the final authority. I do not know it all. I'm reminded of that every day. The more I know, the less I know. And I know that doesn't make any sense. But the more you're in the things of God, the more you realize I know nothing. I am still down in the kiddie pool with my, with my little floaties on, you know, floating around, thinking I'm this deep man of revelation and, and all these things. And, 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 you know, and there's guys that are 50 miles out there in the deep water, you know. But we all get there the same way. And it's taking time, spending time in his word. Now, this is kind of an interesting paradigm for us is that we're either in two camps in the church. We're either an all-word camp where it's always the word, 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 or we're all spirit, 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 spirit. And there has to be a balance of the two. While, yes, I am absolutely a word man, if you ever see me get up and run or dance, it is the Holy Spirit. Because that is not my normal way that I happen. Amen. I am very conservative. I am very aware of people looking at me. I'm, am I the only one? No, we all are. Did anybody get up this morning and say, hey, I would really like to look like a fool in front of the whole congregation? Sometimes it takes us looking like a fool to get our breakthrough. Amen. It's breaking out of our shell. I have noticed with the Holy Spirit that to sad people, he makes happy, and to happy people, he makes it cry. You know, when the Holy Spirit hits. To the funny life of the party guy, they're crying, <laughs> oh my God. And to the stoic one that never says anything or does anything, they're the one running around the church. It's just however the Holy Spirit hits us. I wanna encourage you to act on, when the Holy Spirit is moving like it was in worship, I wanna encourage you, you know, sometimes we're waiting for God to do something, but we have, to, we have to make that first move. If you ever felt this inclination, like I wanna get up and run, he's not gonna take the first step for you. You have to take that first step in faith and do what you saw yourself doing. Amen? There was something that wanted to take place in the midst of our worship, but some of us were waiting on someone else to do something first and I felt like what the Lord is saying is, is I was waiting on you to do something first. We have to step out sometimes in faith. Now that doesn't mean right now we start jumping up and down and screaming and running, unless the Spirit hits you to do that. But it does mean that we, are, we do have a physical side to these things, a natural side. Is that a better way of saying it? Where we do have to first make that first step. And I have to do it in faith. So. We are talking about being conditioned by the word. What I have found out is that most of us, and, and we talked about this last week, when you get into the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit fell and the day of Pentecost happened, there wasn't any resistance to what happened. Now what happened immediately when the Holy Spirit fell is somebody went across town, put out a sign and began preaching against the baptism of the Holy Spirit, immediately. With healing, there was no um, pushback for preaching about healing. I want you to notice that when Jesus ever healed somebody, the Pharisees never got mad at Jesus for healing anybody. They got mad at him for healing them on a Sabbath. 
Notice they never took issue with the healing part because healing was a part of what they believed and what they did. They had been conditioned. But over all of these thousands of years in the, in the local church, and I can't speak for the whole body of Christ, because there has been so much teaching against things, we get conditioned not to expect anything to happen. We get conditioned. We have a prayer line. We lay hands on people. People go down to the ground. We have conditioned people to fall down. We have not conditioned them to get up healed. You see the difference? We've conditioned people like, well, I don't want to make Pastor Jack look bad. Let me get all clean. Whoop. Amen. We've conditioned people to have an, a, an emotional sometimes response to what we're doing. But if you get up and you're no better than when you went down, stay down a little bit longer. I mean, you're already there. We'll cover you up. We have whole jobs created to this phenomena of healing lines and people falling down. Ushers, greeters, catchers, cloth people, we got them. We are prepared. But what happens is, is we begin to focus on that part. And oh, by the way, did you get healed? Are you any better? I want to get us conditioned where we believe, where we take God at his word. That when he says something to me, I don't have 2,000 years of doubt and unbelief built up inside of me. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes, you know, you never know how, what God's going to do. You know, God, did he have his coffee this morning? Did God wake up in a bad mood? Dear Lord, is he like me? He's not contingent on any man. He's good. And he's good all the time. And guess what? He loves you. He has you on his mind. He never goes to sleep. He never slumbers. He's always there and he's always good. So we have the best job in the world. We get to go tell people about a good God. This is not a God that commands us to go kill in his name. He wants us to go heal in his name. You know, a, a suicide bomber is someone that they, they brainwash into strapping a bomb to themselves and going into a crowded market and blowing up and killing mass casualty. But us, we should take the word of God, strap it to ourselves, go into Walmart and just blow the tar up. Just blow up and have a righteousness bomb go out right there in the middle of H-E-B. I mean, have mass healing start to take place right there in the produce. But why don't we? Because we've been conditioned. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation for him who will believe, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Revelation knowledge comes to those who are not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed to say that my God still heals today. I'm not ashamed to say that God's will is for you to prosper. 
I'm not ashamed that God wants you delivered. I'm not ashamed that he wants your marriages healed. I'm not ashamed to tell you that you're not alone because he's a good God. He's a good God. Why don't we get to some notes? Amen? Luke says, yay. Come on, Dad, let's get started. I got stuff to do. I got places to go. James chapter 1, verse 25. James chapter 1, verse 25, and I kind of left it with this verse last week. But what we're talking about is, is why do things not seem to work for me? I, 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 I use my faith. I use the word. I confess the word. I kind of, be, I believe the word, but yet I'm not seeing the results. Has anybody ever believed for something for a long time and had it not come to pass? Amen. Are we still believing for some things right now? I'm believing for some things right now. Amen. That in the natural have not come to pass, but in the spirit they already have. Because I've already believed that I've received. Amen. I'm not waiting to see it manifest for me to believe. I've already believed because I've already asked. That's faith. Amen. And so why do some things work for some people and why do they not work for others? To me, it all goes back to do you have a revelation of what you are believing? Are you just taking scriptures, writing them down? And that's good because that's where we start. But am I just taking scriptures and just saying them and saying them? And have I stopped to take the time to stare into that scripture and have a transfer of ownership so that I get what that scripture says? See, I have to have an ownership of what I'm believing. I have to have revelation knowledge in order for my faith to work. It has to go from being a logos to a rhema. You have to remember that when Jesus walked with the scribes and Pharisees, they were all reading from the same word. But to one group, it was just a written word. But to Jesus, who they said had authority, it was the spoken word. And that's why our words are so important. See, all words do is reinforce what we believe. That's why our confession is so important. See, my confession over what I believe dictates my life. I can speak it over you, but ultimately it's what you say that's going to dictate how your life is, not what I say. I can tell somebody all day long that I want them healed and saved and delivered, but if they're saying the exact opposite, who's God going to honor? He's going to honor them. If I could use my words, I would just get everybody saved right now. Well, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just receive you on behalf of everyone. That prayer doesn't work. Why is it? Because you have a free will. You have to ask of your own self. That's how much God really loves us. Amen. Very quickly, how many ladies were blessed yesterday? Look at all these hands. Amen. We had almost 50 people here yesterday for our women's meeting. Would you give Pastor Michelle a big hand? She did a fantastic job. Where's Miss Pansy? Miss Pansy in the back. She did a fantastic job. Fantastic job. All the ladies, everybody that helped, would you stand up? All the ladies that helped and served, would you stand up? Give them a big hand. All right, all the ladies that just came and ate, would you just stand up and have a, give yourselves a big hand? Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Michelle. I've heard so many good things about how well yesterday went. Amen. It was a blessing. 
So when we're talking about revelation, I want you to look at James chapter one, verse 25. It says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Amen. I want you to get a picture of this. Whatever you fix your attention on is what is conditioning you. Whatever you are giving your attention to, it is that thing that is conditioning you. If I'm conditioning, if I'm looking into the word, I am praying the word, I am studying the word, then that word through revelation knowledge is going to begin to condition me where I don't even have to think anymore. I'm conditioned just to believe it. Amen? I don't have to sit there and toil over it or labor of it. I got a revelation of it. It's real. It's working in my life. But revelation only comes when I take the time to fix my attention on it. See, revelation comes from not reading your Bible. Revelation comes from searching your Bible. And I want us to change a little bit of how we think moving forward about reading your Bible. There's a lot of things that I can read. I read my phone, I read the news, I read the sports. But when I go into the Word of God, I want us to kind of change our attitude just a little bit. And I don't want to just read the Word. I want to now go in and I want to search the Word. Listen to me. (laughs) There's no such thing as accidental revelation. (laughs) there's no, we don't just get lucky. You know what I mean? There's nowhere where I was just, you know, I just was walking and I fell and boom, I hit James chapter two, verse five, and it just came alive to me. Or here's my favorite. (laughs) Tell me if you've ever done this. Lord, I'm just going to open the book up because I need to hear from you. And I'm just going to believe that whatever finger I put on okay, that's the maps. Okay, Lord, that's, you want me to go to Arabia? Okay, Lord, I'm going to Saudi Arabia. And we sometimes turn it into this, well, maybe I'll just get lucky. Revelation does not come by luck. Amen? Treasures do not come by luck. They come by searching. And I've said this before. God does not hide things from us. God hides things for us. This is a journey. And your Bible is the treasure map. And if you're really hungry for revelation and for your faith to go to a different level, then I encourage you, whatever that you're believing God for, you need to not go into the Bible and read about it. You need to go into the Word and search for it. Listen, don't just take what I'm telling you at face value. That's how cults get formed. You have to go into the Word for yourself. And you have to verify, see all Sunday morning should be is not you coming and hearing something new. What I found is that when we all come together and we all have the same revelation and we're like, pastor, that's the same thing God was saying to me. How many times does that happen where you've walked in and you're like, that is the exact thing that God was talking to me about. Why is that? Because pastor and Michelle and I and the staff, we pray for you. I hope you pray for us. And all of a sudden, because we're all of one body and one accord and we're all reading through the Bible together, we all, God starts talking to all of us about the same thing. And we all start getting revelation on it. 
So today should not be the first time you've heard this. This should be a confirmation of what God has already been talking to you about. You should come in this morning and go, you know, Lord, the Lord has just been saying that to me. I can't tell you how many. I love it when somebody that I consider a father in the faith is preaching or teaching something. And that's the same thing God was talking to me about. I'm like, (laughs) I'm on the right page at least. Thank you, Lord. I'm on the right page. I have to spend enough time staring and continuing and doing the word until it changes me. Amen. Now, I asked you this question last week. What was your first revelation? Did anybody go back and search it out or remember? What was the first scripture that you got revelation of? For me, it was Psalms chapter 5, verse 12. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you'll surround them as with a shield. I went all over the world in my early years with that scripture. I went scuba diving. I went snow skiing. I went to Australia. Traveled the world on the favor of God. Didn't cost me a dime. Because I had a revelation that I was God's favorite child. Sorry. There's a lot of preachers that say that, but I really believe it. Favor. Amen. When I started activating and using that favor this time last week, this week alone, I cannot wait to tell you some of the things that God has done for me just through favor. Why is that? Because I went back and I continued in that revelation. So what is the last scripture that God spoke to you through? What was the last time when we say, when you don't know what to do, go back to what the last thing that God told you to do. What we're saying is, is go back to what's the last word that you really had a revelation of that helped, that that brought change to your life. Because God is saying, you got to continue in those things. So why do revelations slip? Because I don't continue in them. I, I get comfortable. I, I, I quit pursuing. Men, before you got married, did you pursue your wife? Her, not other people. Did you pursue her? Folks, we did some crazy stuff to pursue the women we're married to. We stayed up late. We sacrificed. We spent we gave, we, we did everything. We pursued them. We called them every night. We called them first thing in the morning. We pursued them. And all of a sudden we married them and we stopped pursuing. We got comfortable with what we had. That's a word for some men in here today. Me too. We need to pursue our wives. Pursue them. Amen? Pursue them like you did the first time. Pursue them as if you know, what lady just hit her husband right in the head? Just went bam, right there. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to point it out, but it was over there. She just went bam. You never do anything for me. No, I'm kidding. But why does revelation drop? Because we stop pursuing it. We get comfortable in a, in, a, in a season of our life, and maybe I don't need it. See, when we, Michelle and I first got married, we didn't have anything. We didn't have any furniture. I was making $6 an hour doing manual labor. She was working part-time for Dr. Savelle. I was working part-time. We didn't have anything. We had to believe God. I had enough tuna tetrazzini to last a lifetime. (laughs) 
And sometimes there was no tuna, it was just a tetrazzini. No, I'm kidding. But we had to believe God. We had to believe God for our second year of Bible school. We didn't have the money. We had to believe God for our vehicles. We had to believe God. We had to believe God. We had to believe God. There was no other way this was going to happen unless we believed God. But then you, 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 get a little, you get a little knowledge. You get a little learning. Eh, I'm a little comfortable in this now. I don't have to believe God for tuna tetrazzini anymore. I can go eat whatever I want when I want. I can't take anybody with me, but I can go eat what I want. You see what happens? All of a sudden, the necessity has changed. Now I'm, okay, I'm comfortable. I've got a couple of cars. I've got a home. I've got some, thank you, Jack. Get out of college, baby, and we're going to have more. <laughs> graduate that's what the Lord would say to you graduate and get a job look we live so far above our salary I mean I, I could sit here all day and tell you of the goodness of God for the blessings that I've had in education clothing jewelry things that you just get blessed with Listen to me, favor is just not about you getting. It's about you being a part of the giving process. If you want favor, you need to show favor. Amen. It's not, get, it's not getting lucky or get rich quick. It's not a lottery. It's a lifestyle. Amen. The favor of God. But what I want to encourage us in is that we have to continue in the things that we know just because you had dinner last night doesn't mean you'll never have dinner again. You're going to eat again. You're going to continue because your body needs to be fed. It's the same thing with the Word of God. I have to continue in the things that I know in order for them to still prosper in my life. I go to the gym all the time, but if I were to stop and not continue in it, no matter how many times that I've been, no matter what gains that I've had in that gym, I'm going to lose them. Why is it? Because head knowledge is not enough to sustain us in this life. We have to have a revelation. Look, if you're serious about wanting to get in shape, you'll do something about it. You won't just talk about it. You'll do it. This time of the year, gyms love people. January 1st, my gym will be jammed on that Monday morning. And I will see people from all walks of life that I've never seen before. And many will come in in the very last set of workout clothes they ever owned when they stopped the last time. So you'll see stuff from the 70s and 80s, coaches shorts, you know, Nike shoes that they haven't made in 30 years. What are they saying? Pastor, I have not worked out in 30 years. I know I'm being a little bit funny this morning. I'm not trying to be. But we need revelation. You don't need money. You need a revelation. Amen. You don't need a new job. You need revelation. You don't need a new spouse. You need revelation. All of these things that we try and fill our hearts with, we're trying to fill, we're trying to take natural things and fill a spiritual need. And what God is saying to you this morning Seek and you will find. Ask, knock. 
Whose job is it to do those things? It's my job. God, I don't just wake up and there's revelation knowledge laying across the floor. I have to purpose in my heart. Now listen to me, and I said this last week, without self-discipline, there is no success. In any area of your life, without self-discipline, there is no success. So if you are not disciplined in any area of your life, I totally understand. Well, where do I start? You start wherever you are. If, I wanna, if, if I'm gonna set aside Bible time, then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna set my alarm clock for 10 minutes earlier than what I normally do. And I'm gonna purpose for a month to get up 10 minutes early and read some portion of my Bible. It's gonna be cold. It's gonna be, you're gonna re read the same line over and over and over. It's like going from a, a, a diet of all sugar and, and all that type of stuff to vegetables. The first couple of days, it does not taste good. But we have to change our taste. I've been conditioned to live off of spiritual soul food. It makes me feel good. It keeps me, it gives me comfort. Anybody like comfort food? Chicken fried steak with rice and gravy? Come on. Ribs? Come on. But I can't live off of that. And we fill our lives, we fill our souls with spiritual junk food and it has no nourishment in us. And we're always chasing the next big thing. And what the Lord is saying to us is seek me. You will find me when you seek me. When you search for me, I am there. When you knock, I will answer. But we're sitting there waiting for him to knock. Why doesn't God speak to me? He does, speak back. Start the conversation. Michelle has no problem in starting a conversation with me. She's not waiting for me to do it. If she wants to talk to me, she does. There's nothing that holds her back. It's the same with God. We can initiate the conversation. God, who am I? Why am I here? What's this all about? How do I end up with this person? Don't, don't ask that. See, she hit him again, right there. She just went, bam. You don't have a problem, you just need a revelation. Amen, you just need a revelation. Revelation is an unveiling of our hearts that we may receive insight into the way that God's word is intended to work in our lives. Let me read that again. Revelation is an unveiling of our hearts that we may receive insight into the, into the way that God's word is intended to work in our lives. Revelation does not come by luck, it comes on purpose. It comes on purpose. How do I get revelation? I wanna confess, I wanna meditate, and I wanna do the word. I wanna confess, I wanna meditate, and I wanna do the word. If you will do those three things with the scripture, like you're chewing on something, you will begin to get revelation of what it means. How, here, here's here's how, what we do. How does this scripture change my life? When the Bible says in Proverbs, the blessing of the Lord makes me rich and you add no sorrow to it. The blessing of the Lord makes me rich and you add no sorrow to it. How does that change me? The blessing of the Lord. The blessing, well, what's the blessing? I need to go look up what the blessing is. You see how it begins to open up doors on how to get revelation? 
we use words and we don't even know what they mean. The blessing, I've been empowered to prosper by the Lord and you'll add no sorrow to it. So what you're saying, Jesus, is I can get blessed and no one has to die for me to get it. I don't have to go work five extra jobs to go be blessed. So what you're telling me, Lord, is that if I'll just receive this blessing that you gave through me through your son, Jesus Christ, that you're going to empower me to prosper. Lord, in what areas are you going to empower me to prosper? Let me meditate that. Do you see how it opens up layer after layer of revelation? How about this one? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness. Well, what's that word mean? Go look it up, folks. We have no excuse. I went through high school without a phone or Google. We have no excuse. We have no excuse. We have no excuse. I gave you a good website, Bible Hub. If you want to do Bible word study, it's all there. All you do is put in the word. And it will give you 80,000 different definitions in the Greek, the Hebrew, whatever, of what it means. We have no excuse. Look up the words that you're using and look, you will begin to get revelation of what the word, what they're really trying to say. When you go back to the original Hebrew and the Greek, you're like, whoa, that has opened up so many more windows for me to understand what God is saying. Amen. Joshua chapter one, verse eight, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Day and night. This book of the law shall not depart from your what? From your mouth. Why is the mouth part so important? Because like I said, when we are speaking and confessing, it is reinforcing what we believe. I am not trying to use witchcraft and manipulate things with my words. If it's raining and I'm standing in the rain, I'm not going to look at the rain and go, it's not raining. That's not confession. What I am confessing is, is what do I believe? All salvation is, is a great confession. Romans chapter eight, if you what? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, do it right now, confess him. Do you feel that? That has the ability to change the atmosphere in a room. That's why our words are so important. That's why my words, word-based words are so important because they can change the atmosphere. Just like negative words can also change the atmosphere. Positive words, people, correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor Michelle, but how many positive words does someone need to hear to take care of how many negative words? It's like you need like seven positive words to, to, to cast, to break the power of one negative word that's been spoken over you. I can call you stupid one time and that word can go into your spirit and into your heart and so deep into you that it takes me 15, 20 words to get that out of you. If you're good, you're great. God loves you. You see what I'm saying? Because we're so conditioned to believe the negative and not the positive. Why is it so easy to believe the negative and not the positive? Because there's such a negative flow in this world that we live in. It's a sin. It's listen to me. This world is dying. We all understand that. I mean, it's breaking, it's crumbling. It's, it's the, the weight of sin in this world, it's breaking it apart, it's dying. Amen? That doesn't mean that I have to die in the middle of it. I'm gonna prosper in the middle of it. 
I'm gonna live the most blessed, prosperous life that you've ever seen. But it's not just gonna happen because I want it to happen. It's gonna, it's, I'm gonna have to be intentional about what I'm doing and what I'm saying. That's why your words are so important. You need to be intentional about what you're saying about yourself. How many of us, let's just be real honest, how many of us are still walking around with a wound because of what a parent said to us when we were young that wounded you? Those words are still there all through the room. You're dumb, you're stupid, you're never gonna make it, you're a waste, I can't believe you were a mistake. And people walk around with the weight of that one negative word their whole life. Because that's how strong those words are. So when God the Father says, I've made you righteous. You are wonderfully and beautifully made. You are one of a kind. I had you in my mind before the creation of time. And I have a life for you that if you'll just trust me and love me and come to me, I'll make it tailor-made just for you. Anybody like designer stuff? Huh? I'm going to get me one of them Gucci hats one day. I'm going to have one of them hats. Does everybody like designer stuff? God has given you a designer life. Handmade by him. All I have to do is step out in faith and believe what he says about me and walk this thing out by faith. The problem is, is that sometimes we don't want to continue. Like my gym's going to be packed on January 1st. By Valentine's Day, a ghost town. That's the cutoff date because that's when people are like, I've tried it, I've had it, I'm sore. I don't want to do this anymore. It's easier to go home and sit on the couch. They don't continue in it. They had good intentions. They had good thoughts. And here's the best thing is they continue to pay every month and don't come. They're the greatest gym customer that there is. You pay on time every month, yet you never use the facility. Thank you. We'll take your money all the time. Thank you. Thank you. You have full rights and full privileges. You're just choosing not to take advantage of them. We need a revelation, church. We need a revelation of who he is and who we are in him. We need a revelation of faith. We need a revelation of holiness. We need a revelation of wholeness. We need a revelation that we are not the woman with the issue of blood. We're the ones holding the robes that people need to grab to get healed. We need a revelation that we're not poor and down and just and downtrodden and you know, just barely getting by. No, no, no. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. Amen? Amen. God is good. God is good. Amen? He's a good God. And he has a wonderful life for you. If you'll dare to be brave and ask him. If you'll step out in faith and take him at his word. I'm not telling you that it's a perfect life. There's no one in here that's lived a perfect life. Listen to me. We've all dealt with hardship. We've all dealt with loss. We've all, we all are going to go to heaven with questions. Amen? I mean, I look at some of the great men of faith. Oral Roberts lost a son to drugs. We talk about a man full of faith and power. How'd that happen? 
I mean, the Copelands, the, the people that we consider men and women of faith, they've dealt with loss, divorce. It doesn't make us perfect. It doesn't mean that we're not going to deal with hardships. What it means is, is that we don't have to deal with the hardships alone. I don't have to do it alone. Amen? We're going to stop now. I don't want to stop because I got like eight more pages, but we're going to stop now. Let's all stand to our feet. Hallelujah. We don't ever like to end a service. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, it's so incredibly simple, and it is the door to all the goodness that I just talked about. Now, does God love you whether you're saved or not? Absolutely. Absolutely. But see, he will never, ever force his will upon you. Even though he could, if he wanted to, he gave you this wonderful, beautiful thing called free will. And all you have to do is just ask. Just ask. You're not joining a church. You're not joining a religion. You're not joining a cult. You're joining the family of God. And church is why we all come together as the family of God so that we can all learn together what his word is. Amen? So if you've never done that before, if you're watching online, I'm gonna ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes for a moment and just repeat this after me. Just say, dear Jesus, I wanna know you. I have questions. I have hurts. I have pains. I have disappointments. I'm asking you, Jesus, to come into my heart. I might not understand it, but I know I need it. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Forgive me from running from you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a hunger for your word. Clean out all my addictions. Heal my body. Make me whole. Guide me to a good church. Regulate my relationships. Show me who I need to forgive so I can be forgiven. Please receive me, Jesus, into your kingdom, into your family. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you've never prayed that prayer, man, welcome to the family. Amen. Amen. Give them a big hand. Amen. And I'll give you your very first Bible lesson. God is good. That's, that's just where you need to, that's where we come from. Amen. So much coming up, uh, December, the new year, everything. We're excited about what God's doing at West Houston. We would love for you to be a part of it. There are all kinds of opportunities to serve here. We believe that people that are the strongest in the body are the people that are attached to the body. And we do that through our time, our talent, and our treasury. We want you to be connected because there are storms coming that are really trying to shake people off. But if you're connected to the vine, you won't fall off when the winds of life come. Amen? We all need somebody. You cannot live this life alone. You've tried it. It doesn't work. You cannot do this alone. You need a family. You need a net around you. Amen?